0: Welcome to the faith debate Wow that's too loud there we go it's been like what a month since I uh, since we last recorded and I forgot which buttons to press this is the faith debate I'm Troy Skinner thanks so much for listening on 930 WFMD happy Sunday morning to you and if you've already seen this on Facebook uh, this is what you heard us do and watched us do live on Facebook live back in the early August Uh, that you're now hearing on the radio. So if you were part of that history-making moment when we went Facebook Live for the Faith Debate Show for the very first time, you're now hearing the results of that. I know it's kind of creepy and weird, isn't it? Again, I, I think I mentioned I'm Troy Skinner. I'm the pastor of the Household of Faith in Christ and the longtime host of the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. Uh, not with us, but will be a regular part of the panel, is Imran Razvi, uh, but his son Daniel is here, and Daniel Razvi is going to be a regular part of this panel panel as well. And uh, he's involved with Conquered by Love Ministries and uh, involved with the leadership of a house church. And uh, then we got David Forsey, who is um, the pastor of a house church as well, the church that meets at David's house. So we um, it's not an accident that we have... And and Imran, I mentioned, he's also with a house church, so it's not an accident. We have four people involved with this show, and all four are either pastors or associate pastors or somehow in leadership with house churches in Frederick County. Uh, That's not by accident, and we're going to be talking about that uh, today. If you listen to the last four, uh, I think the last five, I guess, the last five Uh, faith debate shows this panel came together for the first recording session and we kind of took turns sharing our testimony our background giving the listener a chance to understand who these voices are you're gonna be hearing with some regularity what we're all about they live on as podcasts forever so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do it so that if a year from now somebody wants to know more specifically about any one of the four people on the panel they could find one of those old podcasts and kind of get a sense of the narrative around their life kind of thing so we got that part out of the way, but we only began to touch on the idea that we're all involved with house churches. And it seems like a logical, logical progression for us to this time spend some time this week, next week, as many weeks as makes sense talking about, OK, what is it with this house church thing anyway? Um why is it good, bad, or indifferent? How does it compare with what most people might be used to in a house church, and what are the related issues surrounding that? So I don't know who wants to tackle the question first, but I think we can start broad with house church.
1: Why? What, what, do, you, what do you think people usually, uh, what well, usually comes to people's minds when, when they hear house church? Any coat. Right. Some yeah. You think, think that,
2: that you know you you have the impression of one guy that's kind of making all the rules and making up his own new religion and no oversight and or any of that. That's probably a stigma mm-hmm. that's associated with the idea of house church. Um, when I think house church, I just think a church group of believers that meets in a house as opposed to a building that is set aside for church or just any other building. Right. Um, the idea being that it's a small enough group of people they don't need a separate building to be able to fellowship together um i don't know i kind of a lot of people i think have a more positive association with the term bible study than they do with house church and i would say that a true house church that is a biblical type of house church would look a lot more like what you might think a bible study is or a a, uh, a small group study than what you might think if you have a bad impression of the word house church <laughs> as far as is
1: it is it because we have like a sort of like an institutional association with the right. with the the word church usually
2: yeah i th- i think a lot of a lot of people assume that a church is a structure it's a rigid structure and it's a institution that this is the way it has to be and
1: yeah wh- whether tradition, it, wh- whether it's, it's the, the building or a set of bylaws exactly. right one or the other yeah right
0: Yeah, I want to say that my experience has been uh, when when somebody finds out that I'm pastoring a house church, the first thing that they say to me is not, oh, are you a cult leader? (laughs) (laughs) Well, they may not say that to your face. uh, Yeah, but uh, even reading their body language, the first thing that seems to be the most common response is, Oh, yeah, I was part of a church, too, that started in a house.
1: So I I wonder if that...
0: They they have a tendency to think it's a church plant that's going to grow into something
1: much uh, bigger. Oh, right. I wonder if that is because of where we are as a culture. So, uh, you you know, decades ago when, uh, you know, in the United States, the majority of people would have uh, identified with a church, maybe even gone to church every Sunday. It was a cultural thing. They weren't going to... House churches, right? They and there, there weren't really church plants in the same way that there are today. And so, I wonder if you know uh, that's what you know. uh, There would have been a stigma around a house church much more so in the past in our culture.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I don't. I don't think we really run into a whole lot of people that think it's a it's a bad thing necessarily. but I, I actually take the position that it's a bad thing in general to have a building. Um, but you know, maybe we can go more into that later.
0: Yeah, that'll be part of what we're talking because we're going comp- to compare and contrast what's happening with, uh, you know, within house churches and what's happening with what we're, the culture is most familiar with. Uh, but I do want to talk more about what the perception might be because that's interesting to be. It never. It's funny. Your instinct. Uh, Daniel was a oh, cult. That's what people think. It's a cult. <laughs> and that was not, and maybe uh, people who've listened to this show for a long time might recall, if you've been a long time listener, might recall me sharing this story uh, in the past a couple of different times. But maybe I don't have that first reaction because m- me and my family, when I was younger, we actually were part of a Christian cult. You know, we were mm-hmm. intending a Christian cult. Mm-hmm. And so I know what that looks and feels like. And so right. it looks and feels so different from a, what we're well, doing as well, a house me, church, that's like, yeah, it's not a cult. Yeah. Well, let me step back and clarify what I mean. I think Hollywood
2: ha- portrays, well, they portray Christians in general as buffoons. Um, but whenever there is a, a group of Christians in, in a Hollywood production that are meeting in something other than a building, they're just meeting in a house and it's a very tight-knit group of people, that lends itself to a cult-like storyline in that plot of whatever film or, 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 or a TV show it is. It's the idea that, oh, these people are kind of weirdos and they do their own thing and they don't interact with society and they don't, you know, that, that's, that's sort of implication. Um, so maybe that's, that's why, you know, are you some Amish? People... <laughs> right, right. That, <laughs> yeah. that sort of thing.
1: And Hollywood does like to, uh, uh, you know, do stories about the outliers and the strange right. and, right. you know, because it's. It's more entertaining. What you, th-
2: what you should think when you think house <laughs> church is a group of believers that meet in a house. That's kind of right. yeah. the extent of it. And, and they're gonna, it's going to vary widely, whatever house church you go to, what denomination. Some of them are part of a denomination. Mm-hmm. Some of them are in, independent. Some of them you know,
1: do various different things. But some, some are more organized. Some are less organized. Exactly. Some so of them don't not- even have a name. So not all-
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So not, not all uh, house churches are in Kansas meeting in the town of uh, Westboro? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Because I think that would be uh, a stigma too, I guess, right? The Westboro Baptist folks over the last mm. 15 years or whatever it is now, they've been kind of in the news on and off. Hasn't done any, the house church movement any favors, that's for sure. Because it's basically so a is, family.
2: That is it in the house
0: as well? Yeah, it's just a family. There's only like fifteen um, people and it's all they're basically all related. I mean, there's just a couple of people probably that aren't, but it's it right. was the dad and then his the dad got older and so his adult children and then their children and it was just like right. you know, dozen and a half people, basically all the same family. And for the young initiated, these are the people that once I tell you what they're famous for, you go like, Oh, that's who that is. Right. They're the ones that infamously uh, like to go to funerals of uh, fallen military members holding up hateful signs saying that God hates English cigarettes. If you know what an English cigarette's called. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a three-letter word that starts with an F. You
1: <laughs> okay. Know.
0: You know. Uh, right. You know, h- hates gays, but they don't use the word gay. They use a different three-letter yeah. word okay. for that. And they made the news because of their hateful rhetoric and they have the name Baptist in the name of their House Church. It's Westboro Baptist Church. I, a...
1: I I just assume oh, they oh have... Baptists. See how hateful
0: they are. I, these are not Baptists by any stretch of the imagination, based on the Baptist title.
1: Yeah, I I assumed they had a they had a, a building. Oh, you were, didn't uh, know that they were uh, yeah, yeah same thing with be, be, because Baptist was in their they're name. They're one of us, David. Oh no, <laughs> I don't think let's so.
0: Not, <laughs> let's take a step back from that association. Oh, man, there. but. Well, let's yeah. talk, let's talk for a second about that because it'll lead into some of the things I want to talk about anyway. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages? And let's use Westboro as a chance to bounce off. But what are some of the disadvantages to doing a house church? Because I think Westboro Baptist embodies some of those.
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a, um, there can certainly be a uh, uh, a lack of a, a lack of diversity in in thought or um or an interest which
2: can cut both ways it can be an advantage and a disadvantage depending on sure which yeah. uh, which thoughts you are trying to include Yeah, but certainly if it is just one or two families that are meeting together within you know a few months you're going to kind of know all the theological beliefs of the other family and there's certainly more growth that can be done in your walk with Christ and you're, and you're going to be reading, new, reading scriptures again and getting deeper understandings. But you're not going to be hearing a whole lot about different doctrinal ideas that may or may not be correct. It just, you know, you need to be able to defend your stance. You need to know why you believe something. If you only live in an echo chamber, then you don't hear that. But, but I would say a lot, a lot of churches like that meet in buildings, you don't get any of that either because it is just just the pastor saying his own thing and the congregation doesn't even participate in a lot of churches they just sit there and listen and then they go home sometimes they don't even sing they have a band singing on the stage and they just listen uh, the the congregation so that may be it may be something that doesn't really affect just house churches
1: yeah that's a good point
0: i think one of the uh significant challenges for a house church and i think again Westboro is a good example of this is the if you're not purposeful about figuring out how to do it there's no built-in accountability structure right so if you've got a group of 10 12 18 people that are getting together and they become cult-like in their doctrine and uh, cultish if you will and the way we typically in our culture think of that word in their behavior uh, what are the checks on that how do you? How are they held to account? Who is it that holds into account? If somebody's a member of that church and they're like, "Holy cow, my pastor has lost his freaking mind," what do they do about it? Who do they appeal to to maybe begin right. Matthew eighteen or something? Yeah. Uh, and so, um,
1: yeah, you, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Just just sort of a thought, you know, in a w- with uh, with house churches, the um, you know, if there is some sort of poison there, the ability of that poison to spread uh, among a lot of people is really limited. So, That's you know, this point. is this is an an advantage in a sense, right? Um
2: and, and also the the what you just brought up, Troy, I, I think that could just as easily apply to a larger congregation as well.
0: Oh sure, yeah no yeah having lack of accountability is an issue across because the board. Which is how what? many
2: how many churches do you know that actually practice church discipline, actually actively oh, excommunicate people the way Paul talks about, it's just not done. Sure, there, there, are, there are instances, but it, by and large in the American church, I'm using air quotes for those of you listening on the radio, in, in the American church, there really isn't a lot of church discipline. And, and part of that is actually uh, the idea that uh, how do you enforce it and what kind of consequence it is? Is it to say, hey, we just won't accept you in fellowship? okay, I'll just go down the street. There's three more churches down the street, and right. none of them are going to have a problem with me. So you have that issue. The, the whole thing about excommunication being, a, ex-communication being a, a, um, a bad thing, as in something that nobody would want to have done to them, is you're going to lose relationships. You're going to lose that sense of community and, and really tight-knit fellowship, which you are going to more likely have in a home church than you are in a, in a bigger congregation.
0: Yeah, I think that... Um I don't, I, and I'm not accusing anybody of this, but I, I, I'm putting myself in the seat of the listener right now who might not agree with where we're coming at things, and they would push back. And I think one of the things they could potentially push back is like, okay, here we go. It's what about ism. So you're saying, oh, you guys don't, you know, house churches don't have accountability, but what about these other churches don't have accountability <laughs> sure. either? Sure. Like, okay, no, we would have to acknowledge it. That, and that's one of the reasons I'm not a huge fan of what has become very mainstream in the American church, particularly this uh, CEO model cult of personality popularity gospel you've probably heard about prosperity gospel but this popularity gospel where it's all about my pastor's really popular he's got a number of bestseller books and our church is growing by leaps and bounds Heck, we've we've got 10,000 people in our church now we're so popular mm-hmm. and and that sort of thing and we've seen it if you if you uh, listening are a big fan of the bigger names in uh, American evangelicalism Mark Driscoll will mean something to you right you know well Mark Driscoll was a superstar he was an emerging superstar in evangelical circles 15 years ago and then his whole church fell apart why lack of accountability right he mm-hmm. felt like he was above any accountability he was doing his own thing and it, it just completely fell. right here in our own uh, backyard, uh, the CJ Mahaney's church mm-hmm. a big giant church in the area uh, very popular, and he was, you know, uh, very good in a lot of ways. Very gifted and talented in many ways, and yet accountability issues. So it's not about it's not the size. But my point in bringing that up, though, was with the house church model, mm. it's like a built-in weakness that I think house church leaders should account for. So should account for accountability, so, like this is so maybe a, an Achilles' heel if we're not careful.
1: Maybe maybe accountability is not uh, the the problem that that's potential there that that would be you know exclusive or even more more of a problem with a house church than with any other church maybe maybe the idea of like isolation you know there's there there's a danger of becoming isolated maybe in right. in a house church from the the broader church as like a whole the, big,
0: the denominational the, the, what we tend to think of as the big denominational brands you know the lutheranism uh you know methodism Presbyterian. uh, presbyterianism baptist you know uh, not baptist, baptist <laughs> uh, you know those sorts of of uh structures have some sort of accountability built into their model Right. In a, in a congregational Baptist setting, the, the congregation is the accountability structure. Now, whether that's biblical or not is, is going to be a, d- a debate that theologians can have, but at least it's built into the model. For the Presbyterian model, by definition, has presbyters that are providing. Right. And so there's no built into the model with the house church. It's one of the reasons why we're doing what we're doing here on this faith debate show. This is actually an expression of me recognize. So I should back up a little bit. Ten years ago, ish, maybe a little bit more than that, I had the idea of doing a house church thing, but not just doing a standalone house church thing, but being involved in helping to establish uh, a rapidly, as rapidly as the Holy Spirit would would lead, a rapidly growing network of house churches so that I wouldn't just be responsible for helping to lead one small body, but I would also be helpful and responsible to expanding the number of house churches uh, throughout the 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 city, the county, the region over time, and as it hit me, I was like, "Man, that's so leadership intensive. We don't have enough leaders." And we'll talk about that uh, in a second, maybe next, maybe next episode. But finishing the thought, the next thing that hit me was, "What are the 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 mechanistic levers of accountability?" And again, to put feet on it, um, to put feet in the shoes on this one, I don't know if there's a metaphor. I just made that up. If I say something heretical and somebody in my congregation challenges, like, Troy, that's like, that's not biblical at all. I'm like, screw you. I'm right. I'm the pastor. <laughs> they could just say, well, then screw you. I'm not going to be a part of this church anymore. Right. right. But that's not the best first place to start. You want to try to correct the problem. What would be their mechanism if I'm just not hearing them? And I had this conversation with, uh, with you guys. I said, you know, I have this problem you guys have this problem. You've probably either already acknowledged it or hearing me say it makes you feel like, yeah, actually that's, that's a potential problem. How about if we work together? And so we've got, the, I mean, uh, Raz isn't here now, but the four of us that are typically going to be here, we're involved with three house churches that can provide some of that. And so, for example, you guys know this, um, the people who are um, members of, the house uh, of the church that I lead, the house church that I am pastoring and uh, primarily responsible for, if they have any issue that for some reason they can't come to me with, they have your cell phone numbers. They can text you, call you, reach out to you and say, hey, Mm -hmm. I know we don't know each other that well, but I know that you're like my escape valve when Troy's lost his ever-loving mind. I need help. Can you give me some counsel here? Can you maybe facilitate a conversation or something like that so that's why the network idea was important to me right is so that all those who are primarily the under shepherd i understand your point earlier daniel about all of the men and stuff are are involved but there is somebody that's designated as the under shepherd for that group that is given some sort of a uh, special kind of responsibility you know ordained by god to look over that particular is there? flock and is, so is there well Okay, you're, so you're
2: going to push back on that? Okay. Well, we yeah, can, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure that there is necessarily, but we can, we can. That's probably too long of a discussion for this episode.
0: Okay. Well, we've got. Uh, yeah, we've only got. We can, maybe we'll, we'll pick that up either next episode or the episode after that, because I, I, uh, I'd be curious to see what what the basis of your pushback would be. Because to me, it's to me, it's clear. So I'd be curious to see yeah. uh, what what your uh, thoughts on that would be. Now, now,
2: there are some house churches that. Are actually part of a larger network for example i I attended a house church years ago and it was a presbyterian uh, minister they were ordained presbyterian minister and he was part of the larger one of the larger presbyterian organizations and he just happened to pastor a church that met in his house and it rotated among three or four families houses so there were only three or four families but it was for all intents and purposes a presbyterian church and he had the leadership of the presbytery and all the appeals process that they have you know structure to go through with that so that i think there are house churches that do follow a a connective structure like you're talking about troy um and then there are also house churches that i've either uh, attended or visited that have a structure built in where they they do have like you you mentioned you know an escape valve or just an, a process for how to practice church discipline and, and how to practice accountability but I, th- I think you're correct that many churches just haven't really thought that far ahead, and they're assuming that everything's always going to be hunky-dory, and they don't have to worry about that.
0: And to your point before, and this might be like the last thought we have a chance to share, but it's, um, it's trying, putting a, a bow on something that you mentioned, Daniel, about, uh, you know, all these house churches have an opportunity for all of the men to be involved uh, and all of the people who are members of the church to be involved as opposed to what happens in these big churches where the pastor gets up there, says what he thinks, mm-hmm. and nobody else is even involved. They're very passive and they're just receiving, you know, open up my brain, pour into me what you think I should know and then sew it back up and I'll, I'll leave and right. pretend I wasn't here until I come back next week. And that's a real challenge, but because of that, what, what are we left with? We're left with a... American church, I would even argue at least a Western church um, that doesn't have enough people that have the chops to teach and lead and, and be under shepherds for God's people. And so right. that was one of the challenges with my idea from 10 years ago. Like, hey, we should do this house church thing. But man, it's so leadership intensive. But then the thing that really gave me the motivation was like, exactly. How are we ever going to have these kinds of leaders that are out there doing the kinds of things that christians should be doing if we don't right. create a uh, some sort of a format to to build that kind of a foundation into people's lives we don't have leaders you have a, you have a church of ten thousand with one pastor and then a couple you know a whole, a whole staff of associate pastors but out of those ten thousand how many of those ten thousand congregants are leadership material right now none or they'd be in leadership so, but in a house church network that has ten thousand people in it, how many of them are going to be leadership material? Hundreds. Well, well out of necessity, yeah, thousands maybe. I don't know, right? Depends how big the, it could be. It could be five hundred to a thousand, depending on the size of the house church. So, anyway, uh, we, yeah, we got sixty seconds left. So, I got this wrong last time, but I do want to have a chance to share. Um, uh the conquered by, conquered, conquered by is that what by love.org.org. Conqueredbylove.org. Conquered uh, by my church's website, and it can connect to all the social media and things related to this show, even by going to HouseholdOfFaithInChrist.com HouseholdOfFaithInChrist.com Household of let me end by saying this. You have a problem whether you acknowledge it or not, and that problem is that you have done at least one wrong thing in your life. And there's a solution to that problem. And that solution is Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christian, what I'm saying to you isn't earth shattering. If you're not a Christian, it might not even be earth shattering. Yeah, I've heard this before too. But if you don't really understand the profound truth of that, the profound necessity for having a solution to that profound problem, I would encourage you to reach out to any one of us who are on this panel. Love to talk with you about it more. You have a problem. It's an eternal problem. It is a major problem, but there is an eternal solution. His name is Jesus Christ. I would invite you to inquire more and to turn your life over by by repentance and submission to him as your Lord and Savior and King. Till next week, God bless.